following podcast is a production of The Network. Check us out on BICBP-radio.com. The Tip of the Cap podcast is brought to you by Stinger Sports, your number one source for quality sports gear. Stinger Sports, look great, feel great, play great. Visit them today online at www.stingerwoodbats.com. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Tip of the Cap podcast. I, as always, am Derek Jaws, your host, and I am here today with Bruce Hackett. Bruce, what's going on, buddy? Not much, man. How you doing? Uh, living the dream. So, uh, Bruce is a tournament teammate of mine. We uh, have a championship together up there at Double Day in Cooperstown a couple years back. Uh, three years back now, two years ago, we went to defend that and got rained out on playoff Sunday and the whole thing got canceled because of COVID this year, but hopefully looking forward to getting back and doing that again next year. And I have Bruce on today because Bruce is a deep, deep well of baseball knowledge and experience. Uh, Bruce, let's start there. Uh, where'd you grow up? Where are you from? Uh, let's, let's get into it. Okay. Uh, I'm originally from Elkland, Pennsylvania and I have I just completed this year uh, my 25th year of adult amateur baseball. Uh, played in college at a Division II school in West Virginia, Salem University, and had a cup of coffee stay in uh, professional baseball in the late 90s. Uh, and I'm one of three generations in my family to somehow play or get signed and play uh, professional baseball. Uh, my dad and myself were very brief. And my nephew, Dan, had a very long and involved career, and he's been on the podcast a bunch with PBR. And uh, in addition to that, I've, I've run leagues, uh, adult leagues. I manage teams. Um, I also played 21 seasons of uh, men's fast pitch softball along with baseball. So it's been, uh, it's been a great passion of mine to play. Um, and it's just, it's just something I even, you know, my other hobbies involve uh, being a writer for uh, the Portland Mavericks. Um, I'm kind of their team historian. It's something I took over this year, writing stories on the team. And also um, my, my other passion is collecting MLB bats and game used items. Awesome. So, <clears throat> I mean, that, that right there shows, uh, shows the audience, you know, we, it, not not just a player, not just a coach, not just a league. I mean, it, you are in the game 100%. I've, I've seen pictures of your memorabilia and your, I believe you call it your baseball room at home. Yep. And yep. it is impressive. So thank you. Um, and for those playing the home game, uh, Bruce, he, he touched on it a little bit. He is the uncle of, yes. yep. okay. He is the uncle of Dan Savit of PBR New York and PBR Pennsylvania, who you guys have heard on the show a few more than a few times, I believe twice uh, actually as a guest and once on a live video on Twitter and, you know, good friend of the show and a guy that I've gotten the opportunity to work with also. And, you know, it, it's funny that I, <laughs> you talk about how small of a world uh, the baseball world is. I played against Bruce and as it turned out, Dan in a tournament, in Elmira probably six, seven years ago now, then met, re-met Bruce personally when we played in Cooperstown, then met Dan separately and then found out that they're related and went, oh, so that's the, that's the whole uh, two, two degrees of separation inside the baseball yep. world. So, oh, yeah. Um, now with your playing career, the, you told me something interesting and this I think will be, will be fun for our listeners to hear. 
Yeah. You did not play high school baseball. Nope. Not one inning. And we uh, did not, we did not have it. It wasn't yeah. offered as a sport back then. So take me through how, how you go from not even having base high school baseball offered. And mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm going to assume that the insanity that is travel ball was not even close to what it is these days. No, back then. Not at all. So, so how, how did you, how did you go from not even being able to play high school baseball to, to even that cup of coffee stay in prof- in the, in the ranks of the pros? Okay. Um, so like you said, it was a very different baseball landscape. We're talking, um, I graduated high school in 1993. Um, and, and I think it was 91. Um, I had went to a, an all-star tryout for Legion. Everybody played Legion baseball in Pennsylvania and we just didn't have, so all of those same kids that would play high school ball now, that's what they did. And what happened is when it switched later on and high school baseball became a thing, Legion died out. So we kind of had our Legion season as our high school season. But um, I had, I had went to a all-star tryout and Harry Hilson was at it. And I think it was 1991, who's the coach at Mansfield for 35 years. And he was there and he was talking with one of, one of, my personal coach, I will say, and I can touch on him a little bit later. And afterwards on the way home, um, Gordy, my coach said, lefty, you got to go to one of the baseball camps. He wants to take a look at you. And I said, Oh, okay. And so I talked it over with my parents and I went and I, you know, you don't realize at the time that when you go, it's not a lot of one-on-one time with the coach. It's, it's all the other people at the camp. There's, you know, a hundred kids there. And there was an old gentleman that was watching. We'd play afternoon games, split up into teams. And there was an old gentleman watching. And he came over and introduced himself. And you talk about two degrees of separation. I later find out that my coach and him worked together at Corning Incorporated for like 15 years. Wow. But they were both retired. And his name was Ed Dean. And he worked, he was retired. And he worked with a company at the time called College Prospects of America. And for a fee, it was several hundred dollars, um, he would get you into the program. They'd come up with a kind of a bio of you and and mail it out to coaches. But the neat thing about it was he added that personal touch of he was retired and he looked at that. He loved kids and he looked at it like he was your agent trying to help you out. And if you got and signed a a scholarship somewhere, that was the equivalent of getting drafted to him. he He was very into that. And so he really went the extra mile and he was able to make a personal connection with a coach down in West Virginia who would later become my college coach. And he got several of us from this area. There was a kid from Prattsburgh, a kid from uh, Kowneski Valley, Westfield, Pennsylvania, who was actually my second cousin. I played four years of college baseball (laughs) with. And, you know, these were guys that probably never would, would have gotten noticed, but, he had that connection and had the coach come up and go around for two weeks watching all of us play. And the smartest thing I ever did was I committed early. So as soon as back then I committed early and, and if I can pass along any information to uh, parents or coaches, it's uh, you want to sign when they have the, the scholarship money available. If you wait sometimes until the spring, it's gone. And I, I know several kids that, signed with me and ended up playing four years that didn't get what I got as an athletic scholarship because they signed late. 
And it was a point of contention, I think, sometimes from teammates when, you know, he got that and I'm better than him and I didn't get this. Well, I signed early. You know, that was and, – and that's one piece of advice I would pass on to, to kids. You know, if you can sign early when the money's available for scholarships, uh, more power to you. But anyway, um, so that's kind of how um, I got noticed. I would never have been noticed otherwise. And I got, and I kept all the letters because, you know, they, they kind of mass send it out. And I had letters from all over. Uh, some of them were basically just, you know, here, fill out this questionnaire. One of them was from uh, University of Kansas. And I thought that was like the biggest deal in the world. <laughs> the Jayhawks actually sent me a letter. And really it was just, you know, fill out a questionnaire and send it back. There were, uh, there were several, several Division II schools I looked at. Um, and I went with what I deemed to be, I, I went with where I thought I could play right off the bat in some capacity, as well as um, where I was going to get the best overall deal from a financial perspective. Right. And um, so I, I, I zeroed in on, I think, three different schools and uh, I ended up going with Salem. I looked at Slippery Rock at the time and also Gannon in um, Erie. And Gannon was in with a new coach and they were transitioning and it just seemed very chaotic there. Um, and Slippery Rock, um, the coach said, I remember when I went down for my official visit, he said, uh, you'll sit the first year. And I thought about that and I thought, how's that going to affect me? I, you know, am I, am I going to be involved in it or not? And, and then he goes, and then he watched me hit and throw and he, he, he tacked on a little additional scholarship money he'd offer, but I would still set the first year. Right. And I will say this for my coach I, uh, at, at college, I always didn't agree with his philosophies, but he was a man of his word. And he said the first year you'll be in the rotation and you're my backup first baseman. And the first year, that's exactly what I did. So I did. So, and, and that kept me involved, you know, that first year away is tough. So yeah. it's nice to be involved in that, you know, right from the start. Yeah, I mean, I can I can speak from experience on that one. Getting sold, you know, getting sold up the river on uh, on some recruiting stuff. You know, I the, the two schools that I looked at. One basically said, "Listen, you don't win championships by starting freshmen unless they're elite." And you know, if they're elite, they're probably talking to bigger schools than us right now as well. Yeah. And the other one said, "Like, nope, you're going to come in. You're going to compete for a starting job right away." And you know. I wanted to go to school A. My parents wanted me to go to school B because, hey, hey, you said you can compete right away. And I went there and looked around and was like, "This, uh, there's not a single freshman even sniffing the field right now. We're not even learning our playbook. <laughs> We're learning the playbook to be the practice squad dummies. And, you know, that's we, you know, we, it, it ended up being a, a rough time. And, I, you know, having, having a coach that's honest like that is definitely something to, you know, to, to look into as well when, you know, when guys are looking at recruiting. So definitely, it's definitely interesting to, to hear that side of it. Cause you, you got the other side of it. You got the honest, you know, this is what you're going to be. And he was 100% spot on. So, yep. Yep. so from Salem, uh, you mm -hmm. said you had you, four years there, uh, where yep. to go, where to go from there. So my senior year, um, actually between my junior and senior year, I had, a couple of scouts, kind of bird dog scouts that had been interested and I had played my first year of adult baseball back then. And we kind of went into it and I thought maybe, you know, maybe I'd be like a super 50th round pick or something and get get the opportunity and I didn't. Right. Uh, my, my 
my my phone never rang and um my girlfriend at the time uh lived out in california and i was planning on coming out to see her in the spring and i was looking around and i saw that they had an independent league out and at the time there were only maybe three or four independent leagues now there seems like there's 20 of them but back then there weren't very many and so i ended up calling in the off season they said well put together a tape and send us a tape and i did i dubbed together like vhs of <laughs> and college ball and whatever i could do it was it it probably looked awful but i did it and sent it out to them and they sent me back a letter and said we're doing uh, invitation only tryout in march um we don't have the date picked out yet but we'd like you to come take a look at it and i said okay and so I went out there and I worked out all winter long. I remember throwing in boots in snow with my dad. And I think I flew out in uh, late February and I worked out with a high school team out there throwing BP a couple times a week and just playing catch, just being on the field and just to kind of get acclimated because this is March and usually March it's, we're not playing ball around here too much. Um, and I ended up, uh, I went to the tryout and, you know, you talk about the, the two degrees. When I'm out there, I'm, there's a, there's a guy at the tryout and he's got, this is the, this is 1998. So nobody really wore the straight brimmed hats back then. Right. But this guy was a trendsetter. And not only was it <laughs> Fernando Rodney off to the side and he had two different cleats on and he seemed just a little bit off. And we're out there and, you know, they had the pitcher shagging balls and they were doing BP and I start talking with him and he looks familiar and we get talking and turns out I pitched against him uh, the previous spring in Florida on our trip. He was, he pitched for Briar Cliff out of Iowa and I pitched for Sam. We talked about it and it was a small world. And he said, well, I'm from here. And I just, you know, I wanted to come try out. I was like, oh, really? And he said, yeah, yeah, I, I left that school. I'm here. I'm just doing school. I'm not playing. You know, I just want to try out. And he, he had a great fastball. I mean, just electric stuff. And then he got in there and one of the players kind of moved up on the plate because you'd face live hitters and he smoked him right in the side. And as soon as he did that, I could just see him, you know, they drew a line across his name and that's it. But um, I went in and threw in, in the game um, and it's like the best curveball I ever had. Uh, I think I was around 85, 86 throwing, but lefty with movement. And afterwards I went home and they called and they said, we want to sign you. And I didn't know anything about how the independent leagues worked. Right. Um, and so I said, uh, okay. And I figured they're just making up their team from everybody there, you know, so they're going to sign a whole bunch of us and bring us in and whatever. And, and I was like, okay, and I didn't seem too excited. And the general manager said, well, you don't seem too excited. And I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're going to have a lot of these guys. And he's like, we're signing two. There's you and another lefty. Wow. And I'm like, oh, okay. So um, I went in, uh, usually we're in about six weeks was spring training. I got cut about a week before the season. And the day after I threw my uh, one, one, uh, appearance. I threw two innings in a exhibition game against the Reno Chuckers. And um, I didn't do too bad. Um, but it was between me and this other lefty. And, you know, uh, 
they say you close, close, a, close a door, it opens a window. This lefty I was riding with, there was a local kid from out there. And the day I got cut was pretty much a Bull Durham scene. You know, just got out of the shower, Skip wants to see you. You're in a towel, you're sitting on the chair. He says, Dak, sorry to do this, but I got to release you. And that, uh, that, co- that manager was Bill Plummer, who had played with the Big Red Machine in the 70s with the Reds. He was uh, the manager of Seattle Mariners before Lou Pinella. And uh, he had a very long and drawn out uh, managing career in the minors. And the pitch coach was Jeff Pico, who um, was from my favorite team of all time, the 89 Cubs. That's what, you know, kind of got me loving, loving the game. And I drove him nuts asking questions about the Cubs and to have those guys sit there and, and tell you, you know, I'd be, I'd be like, uh, uh, coach, is, is Mitch Williams really crazy? And he'd be like, Jesus, heck, you're driving me nuts with these questions. But I would ask every day because I just wanted to know about them. And um, to, to sit there and have those two guys tell you that was tough to hear. And um, I remember I, I went out and, you know, nobody really wants to talk to you. A few guys are like, hey, I heard the news, you know, and, and we're riding home and I'm riding home with this other pitcher. And we pretty much knew one of us was going to make it. One of us wasn't. And he said, listen, I'm, I'm on kind of a semi-pro team out here. If I make it, regardless, I'm going to give you the guy's number. Call him and see if you can get on it. And as it turned out, I ended up playing with them for the summer. And he made the team. And then later he got cut came back and we were able to play together. Hmm. And that was the uh, Reading Giants. That was in, uh, called the Northern California Hardball Association. And it was awesome. Very cool to play. So, you know, it was one of those things where um, it was very brief. I pitched two innings. I think I gave up two hits, a walk, and a strikeout, and a run. The problem was I balked twice. And I've, I, I might have balked twice since then in, my, in, in all these years. <laughs> but I was so nervous. And as soon as the guy took off, I, I balked. And I, I don't know if that had a thing to do with it, but you know, we were very neck and neck. Um, the kid that I was going up against was a few years older than me. He had pitched at BYU. So we were kind of similar in a way. And, but you know, I, I tipped my cap. He got me hooked up with playing out there and it gave me something to do out there. And I stayed the whole summer and played out there. That's awesome. You know, I, I think it's, you know, it's always interesting to hear it because I, I feel like everybody has that story of, you know, one door closes, another one opens. And, yeah. you know, it's it's always awesome to hear that. It's, I don't know if it's like this with other sports, but I can tell you it is 100% like this in baseball, that if you if you want to play, there's always a way. There's always somewhere to go. And it may not be the level you want. You know, yeah. every, every kid growing up wants to play in the show. And yep. when, you know, only a certain amount of guys get there and okay, so then I'll settle for triple A, double A, single A, rookie ball. You know, I'm, I'm the guy that would, you know, give, give a whole hell of a lot to have played a year in the bus leagues. Like that's, yep. you know, that's, yep. that's who that, you know, I, it, it, that's just a thing. And, yep. you know, I, I think that's going to lead us down our next road is, you know, we, we talk a lot about, you know, like, right. We, before we even started recording, we were talking about the, you know, running teams, running leagues and stuff like that. And, you know, once for you, once, um, you know, once the pro ball ended, mm-hmm. you know, you ended up finding your way into men's league, which actually you mentioned you actually started men's league prior to signing in, uh, yep. in pro ball. And yep. I mean, I got, I got the, the fortune experience at 18 to start joining uh, men's amateur league after, you know, and actually, which almost, which would have given me a shot at college ball had it not been for an injury. However, 
Um, you know, I digress on that. How t- take me take me down the road of after you know after pro ball um, where you went and how you got involved all the way up to running a local league. Okay, um, the biggest thing I can say about playing that and playing independent ball um, with that team. Now, another thing I have to I, I didn't mention was this team was very good. It was the Chico Heat. Uh, for the Western League, and I, I don't remember their record, but it was ridiculous that year. Probably if I would have played with a, one of the bottom teams in the league or tried out for them, I might have made it and, and hung on for the season or partial season or whatever, but this was not the team to try out for. They were the very organized. They were the Yankees of that league. But they had a very um, – we had a former major leaguer, Eric Yelding, played. We had uh, several guys that were – uh, AAA players for many years, uh, Terrell Hansen, Ken Schamberg. Um, we had Justin Mayshore, who made it all the way to the majors as uh, assistant hitting coach with the Rangers. His brother Damon played with the A's in the, in the 80s and early 90s. Um, but, but talking with some of these guys, I, I, I looked at guys, and what I looked at was, uh, first off, I noticed most of the pitchers had college degrees, and most of the position players didn't. So a lot of the pitchers, they they started their pro ball after college, and a lot of the hitters had been high school draft picks. And I looked at some of the guys that were, you know, 31, 32, 33. They're living in their parents' basement with family sometimes, working construction jobs just to make ends meet in the offseason. And I'm like, do I want to do that? Like, I don't know if I want to do that. First off, my parents' basement is not that nice, so I don't know if I want to do that. But I'm like, you know, I, I don't know if I want to, I don't want to do it. I, I want to play ball. And actually getting on that team and playing out on that, that uh, they call it semi-pro out there. And we did get a few, a few shekels for gas money in a hotel room when we, when we went on the road. But uh, uh, for the most part, that was, I was still able to work and I would, I, I found a job out there and I worked out there and I was still able to make money, but I, I didn't want to be that guy in my thirties that, um, you know, I had to start over from scratch. And when I, and I, and I still wanted to be involved in the game. And when I started uh, playing, the first time I went to coaching was, uh, I was playing with a team out of Olean and the coach that ran the team got the Hornell Dodgers head coach position in the NYCBL. And it was like, can somebody take this? Cause we're not going to have a team if we don't have a coach, he's leaving. And I just took it for a year and I lived in Pennsylvania, you know, over an hour and a half away and was running right. the team. Again. And um, I, I tried another league. I just did that for one year. It was, it was a little too much, much to do. Um, but I helped and, and there was a dad and, and two boys that had it and they kind of took over from there and it made more sense. And then I was moving into playing fast pitch softball. So I moved up to Rochester to play and tried to balance it. But um, it, it, when I took over the league, I remember uh, down here, the E-Cable in Zelmira Corning Adult Baseball League, um, I, had, I had just run a team the first year. And I didn't realize at the time that the guy who ran the team or ran the league was actually, he was involving me in everything. And I thought, well, you know, you need somebody to bounce ideas off. And we got done. And the next spring, I said, I'm like, are we going to have a, a league meeting? He's like, yeah, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh okay. Um, and he ran a team too. And I was like, well, um, 
who's going to run it? He's like, well, you, I showed you how to do it. And I was like, oh, okay. And he did stay on and helped and he did the website for us the whole time I had it. And he was a good, he was a good person to bounce things off, but he just had been burned out. And then I was like, well, who's going to run the team? Well, I, I'm not going to run the team either. Like he didn't even want to play anymore. Wow. And I was like, wow, he just was so burned out. And later on, um, so we started, you know, uh, kind of from scratch and I just sort of ran it the same as he did the first year. And then I started to, okay, now I got my feet wet. I can make changes. What can we do? Um, we, we tried to, if there was a problem, I addressed it and we created a set of rules around it and it was a little insane, but like one of the things we did, I, and I, I really enjoyed this. It was a pain in the butt to do, but we had a free agent sign up that we would do and we would spot, we would do Facebook ads and, and send the link and people would sign up. And before it was, it would blast it out to all the managers. So if you were at the top of the food chain and some kid that played at Bucknell and is working in Corning now signs up, that top team grabs them. That's not fair. Right. Instead, I would do it where it only, uh, it would only come to me and I would do, uh, you, you had three days to claim them. Here, here he is three days. Here he is three days to each team. And the idea was go from the expansion teams and last place teams up to the top team. And that way they could build their, and it, and it, it did work for the most part, um, but it gave them an opportunity to get better players. So that's, that's one of the things I kind of liked to do, but it was, it was a lot of, it was a lot of work. And what I found was um, it was hard to ask coaches to do, to help you with the work because they're coaching a team. Right. So the idea was if I could find a few players off each team that were a little bit energetic and could help out with fields or whatever, but it just, it, it was good for a while. And then it just, you could tell it was going the other way. And part of it was we were getting younger and the, the younger generation, you're not getting the players always that are uh, going to go play collegiate baseball. You, you're getting the guys that played high school ball and still want to be around, but you know, dude, I got a Madden term. I can't. I can't. <laughs> so it was, it was tough. And, and we were talking beforehand. I said, you know, the last year I did it, uh, my oldest daughter was three at the time. And when she's pulling more tarps than, than guys that, that are playing in the games, that's a problem. And she then she, she still to this day, she'd be like, dad, so why don't we pull tarps anymore, dad? I'm like, well, we don't have to do that anymore. You just can ride to the game with me. So, um, but that's kind of the semblance. And, and um, what I tried to do is whoever I saw run a league, if I saw something positive that they did, I tried to make to emulate that. And if I saw something negative, I made sure I didn't do it. And that's the same with coaching. It's the same, same philosophy. You, you, you take uh, your experiences and what were positives and what were negatives, and you make sure you repeat the positives and don't repeat the negatives. Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, and I can tell you from being on the side of running a team, uh, seeing what a guy who runs a league like that has to go through and then being on the other side of being like, there, there's no way to avoid the feeling that people are thinking you're doing something to better your team when you're running the league as well. Right. And I, I, I know that Ralph listens to this from time to time. Um, I don't know if he listens all the time. I have a feeling he'll probably listen to this one, but you know, back when I ran my own team in Ralph's league, 
there were more than a few times that, you know, some calls and decisions were made with scheduling and whatnot that we looked at and said, Oh, you know, Ralph setting himself up to win. And you, yeah, know, and yeah. you, you, you almost can't avoid it. Like you, cause you're, you're not going to like, you can't run the league and run a team and say, well, I'm going to put my team behind the eight ball the whole time. Right. But at the same time, you're, you can't say, Oh, I'm going to give my team the advantage. So it just, how it works out is how it works out. And every time it seems your team's got the advantage, you're going to take flack for it, even if it's unintentional or completely luck of the draw. And, yeah. uh, you know, we talked before we, uh, we hit record here that that was one of the reasons that, you know, kind of made you take a step back from running mm-hmm. a league. But, uh, you know, still still active, still playing. Yep, yep, and, uh, absolutely. I, I, you, you changed leagues this year, right? Yeah, yeah. We were in the, um, the I guess, the Rochester Baseball League last year. And I, this is my first year with the with the Red Wings team, and we had a challenging, rough season. I have not been on a losing team, and I don't know how long. And we, it was rough. Um, so we had talked about things on what we wanted to do, and we talked as a whole, and we discussed switching uh, to the uh, MSBL league in Rochester, and reached out to Vern, who runs the league there, and joined them and then found out hey you know we're in the middle of a pandemic are we going to play and we did um we we didn't start until i think mid-july and we kind of piggybacked and did um a lot of doubleheader weekends and i i think it was a little little strange i think it was we were so damn happy to be out on the field we didn't really really care one way or the other and we played more loose and we also you badass on the team from an attitude perspective. And I think it made a world of difference for us. And we ended up, I think we we're in second place as the regular season ended and we kind of discussed it and they decided let's have a championship game. And we went up against the A's who had won, I think four, four championships, last four championships up there. And it was a great game. We were able to win 10 to five. And I, my, I talked to my dad before the, the day before, and uh, I said, well, what do you think? You know, we got our championship game. He goes, eh, you won't last seven innings. And I said, what do, what do you mean? And he goes, you're on the other end. You're, you're at the end, man. You can't do it. And, I, and so I, when I drove up there, um, I thought to myself, I just, I just want to throw at least eight innings. And I didn't even look at pitch counts. I didn't worry about anything. And we got done at the end of the game and we won. I threw nine innings and I said, how many pitches did I throw? And my coach said 149. And I was like, oh. and I, I, I got to be honest, I was sore for about a week. Everything <laughs> for about a week. But uh, it, was, it was definitely worth it. Definitely. Now, being a pitcher, still being an active pitcher, you know, you've, you've thrown innings for us in Cooperstown. I, I see, you know, once a week during the summer, you're posting about your outings and whatnot. Is there anything special that you do that you've done in your career or that you have changed and started to do now to help keep the arm going and kind of keep the, uh, you know, keep, keep the dream alive, we'll say? Definitely. Um, when I was 39, um, I went up to, I, I pitched for Ralph in, in the, the Muni league for several years. And the year before that, um, I had thrown over a hundred innings. I think it was 112 total innings that year with playing with new era and Erie Buffalo and a couple other teams, you know, a couple of coffees with them for a weekend when I was available. 
And I didn't take it serious on the workout. And I went up that spring and I probably had only thrown like three times. And we, you know, you know, the Muni leagues, they start at the end of April. Yep. It's cold. <laughs> We're in Akron. And I went out to throw and like this, it didn't feel good warming up. And the second inning, my arm just, my shoulder just did not feel good. And for whatever reason, I could not throw that year. It was horrible. We tried several times and it took me pretty much, you know, I, I have arthritis in both of my shoulders and especially in, in the left, it's even worse. And what it was, was from there, it was trying to find a way to balance out of how often I can throw, um, what I can do, what I can't do, um, it, even how I throw, the arm angles that I use. I can't throw over the top. My, my shoulder doesn't feel good. I, I, I throw, you've seen me throw, I throw three-quarter arm, I'll drop down side arm, but most of the time I can't come right over the top with it. It just does not, it does not compute at this stage. <laughs> Um, but just getting that down, and that's one of the big things I think that happens to a lot of pro players and collegiate players, is I think you need to take, as a coach, a look at what works for each person and not use them like a factory. Um, for me, in my prime, I could have went out and thrown one game a week at any level, and my arm would have felt fine. But even the brief stay in in indie ball in the late 90s my arm was shot then like when I went in and pitched that game I think I ate Advil like it was M&Ms just so <laughs> I you know and so I I I think you need to look at what works some guys can throw every day and some guys can't right and you know I like I, I would joke um my nephew Dan at this age could probably go out and uh give him two or three weeks and he can hit 90 but ask him to do it for a season and his arm will wear down. He, he's one of those after he had some injuries and it's just, it's tough. It's, it's, it's recognizing that, you know, it doesn't mean a, a kid is lazy because they can't throw every day. It means that their arm might not be built for that. Right. Or, you know, and it, it, it's, it's very subtle. It, it's the same when I see um, girls softball coaches I've seen in the past and a few of them uh, want everybody to bat the same. Same batting stance, same same approach. You you, yeah, you can do that. You can have the same theory, but you know everybody's a little bit different, and you have to kind of kind of kind of chip off the the rough edges and look for things that help them. But at the same time, you know it's it's not a it's not a factory. Right. Every every, every product you put out there isn't going to be the exact same, able to do the same things. Yeah, and I mean that's that's probably one of the best hitting coaches I've ever seen. Uh, being Rick Lancelotti, who we're just fortunate enough to have here in Buffalo for the last 900 years, it feels like. And you know, one of the things that, that Lance always said, and I've said it a few times on the show, is you know, I, I, there's certain things that need to be in a certain place at a certain time, and outside of that, you, you can you stand on your hands and put the bat between your feet, and if you're having success, who am I to stop you? you know, it's yep. when you stop yep. having success, that's when I come in. You yep. know, and it, it, yep. he's, not, he's not a cookie-cutter guy, I can tell you that much. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I've, I've played with Lance and I've, I remember there's a tournament in Ohio where uh, something wasn't going right. And I, Lance, you gotta, you gotta show me what I'm doing. And he really just simple, simple little things. And then I just, I felt fine. I was, I was good to go after that. Yeah. I, uh, a couple, couple of years back when he was still, uh, still at our building in Depew, I looked at him and was like, Hey, your arm got a, uh, your arm got 15 more minutes in it tonight. And he goes, eh, sure. I'm like, you know, he was like, why, what's up? Who do you want me to look at? I go, me. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just a little off. And it, it took four throws. He said, okay, do this. And then five more throws. And he said, how do you feel? I said, good. He goes, good, because it looks a lot better. And we were done. Nine, nine pitches in the man. Just one, one small tweak got me back online. Yeah, and he's been there and done that. I mean, he's his playing career, and he – I mean, when uh, – I think it was last year I played with him up in up in Cooperstown yeah. in a 40 and over tournament. He was still playing. Yeah, he uh, and he, he still hits the ball a ton. Uh, the last time I played against him, I he's one of, I think, two, maybe three people that I will play with my heels on the grass at first base. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy, yeah. No- Jeremy Nowak is up there, but that's because he has fun finding out how hard he can hit a ball. Yeah. And uh, there might have been one other guy, maybe it was in a softball tournament I played in. But, uh, yeah, it's, he's one of one of two hardball players that I know for sure. I keep keep my heels on the grass at first because, you know, especially with Rick yep. in his older age, I can probably beat him to the bag, on a, you know, even if I just knock <laughs> yep. it down. I just don't yep. want to die. So, <laughs> yep. but, uh, yeah, man, it's, uh, you know, especially having a longer career and it may not be the most traditional career when you talk about, you know, usually when you hear people talk about lengthy careers, you're like, Oh, he played pro ball for 12 years or eight years or whatever, you know? And I mean, you, you were telling me it's been 20, 25 years, 25 years. And I mean, you know, I'm, I'm looking through the, you know, some of the stats, you know, 21 seasons of fast pitch, uh, 128 tournaments played, NSA World Series, NAFA World Series, uh, two appearances ISC World Series. I mean, that's that's slow pitch. That's then, fast pitch. Yeah, that, yeah, sorry, that's fast yeah. pitch. And then, yep. um, you know, 14 states, Canada. You know, you've hit 12 home or home run in 12 of the 14 states that you've played in. You know, you yep. you won in the MSBL World Series 35 um, with the 35 and over team in 2010. Um, you know, and hearing like compiling all of these things, um, you know, that, that to me speaks to, you know, someone with a long career and getting that knowledge out about like, one of the, one of the things that bothers me as a, especially as a younger coach is, you know, when I hit 18, I, I used to describe, you know, I used to tell people like, I, I'd go into every spring going like, I don't know if I'm playing this year. I, I just want one more year. And I've been fortunate enough at 33 to have, you know, 20 or 15, one more years, um, yeah. you know, and you've, you've been doing it longer than I have. And, you know, get, getting that out there, I think helps kids hear that if you want to play again, it may not be the high level that you want, but if you love the game and you want to play, there's always a place to do so. And, yeah. you know, it's because of guys like you that have run leagues and teams that are, you know, are able to provide that to these kids and, you know, I, I know plenty of guys that have played in, you know, e- even just adult leagues that, that me and you knock around in these days that end up in, end up finding a way to coach younger teams that, you know, maybe it's not their son's little league team, but it's a younger team because it turns out maybe they know something, they, they know a little bit and the guy's like, Hey, I could use a guy like you in my program or, Hey, I need an assistant coach. Like, would you want to help me out? And, you know, it just breeds more people getting more chances in the game. And that was one of the main reasons I wanted you to come on and kind of tell, you know, tell your story really is just to show that there's always a way to keep playing and there's always a way to keep going. And there's always a place in the game for people. And I, and I think, you know, and I'm going to use the fast pitch aspect of it because that was a, it's a big part of how I grew up and that I did play it for so long is um, growing up, my brother played, we had our own 
team for a while that my uncle's car dealership sponsored, which was Hackett and Sons. And it was like, it was like my dream to play with them when I got older. But there were a lot of guys that were, you know, college, college players. There was no adult baseball back then. And in order to get on a summer collegiate team, you had to know somebody you had to, it was tough. And there weren't that many of them. Um, I remember applying for one in the fall for the next summer, two of them and being turned down in the NYCBL. It, it wasn't possible. Wow. Um, so that's what I, when, when I was growing up, you know, going down and watching those and what gave me the backbone of, of playing as an adult was to see adults playing and it, and yeah, it's a different sport, but it's very similar. Right. And to see, you know, I've never, I don't always remember what a guy could do, but I remember how passionate they were and how, how much they just, they loved being out on there. And that's how I felt about baseball and fast pitch for that matter. And women hate this, but I I will say this was how I always used to describe it when I played um, is uh, baseball is the wife and fast pitch was the mistress for me. And because I, I played both and it was, a, it was um, very, was always my, baseball was always my first love, but fast pitch was, uh, it was a, a smarter, sleeker, sexier game. You know, they played small ball and, and a run meant the world when you're facing, you know, a six, seven Australian that just throws cheddar, you know, that, <laughs> you could get a run off him. That's a big deal, you know, and then maybe you can hold him down and maybe you can hang in there. Um, and, and playing against people from all over the world, playing against Canada, uh, Venezuela, Guatemala, New Zealand, Australia. There was a one time in the, we went out to the NAFA World Series, there was a team from Japan there. You know, really, Jeez. really got that whole world flavor of that, of this little sport that nobody even hardly knows exists anymore. Yeah. You know, it was like the king in his court died <laughs> and people forgot that, that people still play it. And yeah, I mean, so it was... That was that was that backbone of of seeing that as a kid made me think that um, God shoot yeah I can play when I'm an adult you know there's these guys are doing it why can't I yeah you know I was I was fortunate enough to see a couple guys that just happened to be starting a team in uh, in Ralph's league when I was 18 years old and back then it was uh, I believe it was 28 and over but you could have five guys under 28 and I just yeah. happened to to you know. And I, I, I still, still talk to Chris Gresham to this day and thank him every time I see him. Cause he's that one that got me, got me that one more year that year. And, uh, yep. you know, was fortunate enough to, to go that route. I, I've always, I've always seen and like been intrigued by the, by the fast men's fast pitch. Um, yep. I, I, I know my dad played when he was younger, he was a catcher. Um, yep. and it's, it's always something I've wanted to try, but I believe there's there might be a league in Buffalo, like out in Lackawanna somewhere. I think and, there is out in Lackawanna still. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I think I work with a guy who, you know, who play, who's played in that for a couple of years. And he, I believe he said they've switched to either modified or figure eight, not full, full fast pitch. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know, I, I, I tell you, I can, I've seen, I've seen your nephew post some videos of him, him letting it fly underhand. And yeah. that's that the, the man can bring an underhand too. I've seen him live in a game overhand. He can bring an underhand too. Well, it's, it's, it's funny. The last time he went to play and uh, he went and played pro ball when the pirates signed him, I can't remember the year off the top of my head, but what started it was he wanted to play. He wanted to be a fast pitch pitcher 
and he was working for the oil companies and he would come over to the house and throw that. And I honestly, it's terrifying to try and catch him because you never know where it's going. And so I would catch him and I'm finally, you know, after, you know, I, I'm putting on gear to catch him in the backyard I, just for safety. I'm like, you know what, man, dude, you, you catch me, my turn to throw, you know, that's, that's, you know, one hand washes the other here. And then he got throwing and he was like, well, I want to throw a little baseball too. And then one thing led to another and, and he ended up going to a tryout. And I remember him, I was, I was going to, uh, a league game in Cortland for a fast pitch and he was supposed to be going and he called me and I'm like, where are you? And he's like, dude, I went to that tryout today. And I can't remember what he threw like 96, 97. What, it was something insane. Right. And I think, oh my God, it's like the rookie happening again. <laughs> and then he ended up going and he, he, um, he played with the pirates and I think he made it all the way up to double a that year. He has right. like two appearances at each level, but that, that's what kind of started it was, uh, was, was him throwing that. And, and, he had that knack to, in, in that he threw hard and you, you didn't always know where it was going. So he was kind of scary to get in the box and when we, we played in the league. <laughs> Sometimes you got to hit the bull. Yes, yes. <laughs> and he definitely was like that in, in fast pitch. Yeah, I, I've, I've seen the videos and I, I watched that blur come at the screen and I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. I remember, remember when I said I wanted to try to play fast pitch? Uh, maybe not, maybe you know, maybe, maybe I have to go through a two year training session to get my bat speed to that point. But I remember we, we had, you'll appreciate this story. We had a, um, a tournament and, um, we had a twin scout, Jay Weitzel. I don't know if you know him. He used to be a twin scout. He, um, he had a kid that was going to come up and play in some independent league that was there for the weekend that played for the Florida Gators. And I can't remember his name, but he was their left fielder for like three years. And he came up and played a fast pitch game or tournament with us in Dunkirk. And I remember the second day he had the most beautiful swing and he never made contact. And the second day he hit a sack fly and that was the happiest kid I've ever seen. In my life. <laughs> but it was like, it was one of those things like, you know, he just wasn't used to it. Right. And that was what I always noticed is um, playing both sports at the same time, you know, like going up and playing in a Muni game on Monday and you're like, you know, you're coming to the, to the, get in the box and, and, you know, you hit one or whatever and you come back to the dugout and somebody's like, dude, that guy's throwing, throwing cheese tonight, man. He's throwing hard. And I'm like, no, that's nothing. The guy on Sunday in the championship game or semifinals where we got beat was throwing hard in fast pitch. This, you know, cause there's, you have so much more, you know, 60 feet, six inches. Right. I got all kinds of time to look at this guy. This is nothing compared <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm going to have me a sandwich, then start my swing. Yes, exactly. And so I, I always, usually hit better in baseball than I did in fast pitch, but I loved it just the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it definitely, it's, it, it's always seemed like an interesting game. And, um, you know, I've, I've always liked the idea of watching, you know, watching the challenges, you know, where like Jenny Finch struck out an entire major league baseball team without anybody you know, get putting a ball in play and yeah. stuff like that. It's just, it, the whole thing's just fascinating, but uh, you know, I, I, I appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing your your wealth of knowledge and you know your your story with us here. Is there anything anything else for the good of the order? Anything any shout outs? Anybody you want to you know? Um, I just I I I've, you know there's a lot of like you you mentioned Ralph. Um, Ralph's one of those guys you know like you said uh, that he he he's the two degrees of separate you know of, of separation from a lot of us still playing and. 
And when you have guys like him or Vern, Vinskyver in Rochester, or, you know, these guys that have run these leagues for forever, you know, you can't give them enough credit and enough thanks, you know, for, for what they do, you know. Absolutely. It, absolutely amazing to, to have them in the area and be, to be able to have us old guys still get out there and, and play. Absolutely. Well, like I said, Hack, thanks for coming on, man. I had a pleasure talking to you, and I, uh, you know, like I said, appreciate you cutting, cutting about an hour out of your uh, out of your Tuesday here for me. All right, man. Thanks. Appreciate it.